Hello everyone and welcome to What's Happening in Travel. Uh, I'm Kerwin and here with my buddy. Kushro. And uh, today, um, uh, Kushro, what, what background do you have today? Um, I have a, a Cargo Lux 748 Cargo. And I like this picture because I thought this was a very realistic depiction of an aircraft with a mask in this COVID era. So. It's very cool. So, you know, I, I think all the airlines should paint at least one airplane with a mask. <laughs> and this was done in Taiwan, I believe, in Taipei. Uh, there you go. It is very cool. So if you guys ever see that, it's, uh, it's a 748 uh, cargo. It's really awesome. And I'm boring. I just have the Amtrak station in Houston, which is like, I think is the tackiest, the smallest station I've ever seen for any, um, yeah. any, any train. It's just a, it's like a little shed, really. Um, but anyway, most people don't believe that Houston has an Amtrak station. But I'm digressing, Kusha, but hold on. The Union Station was actually the, all, a lot of these um, uh, U.S. Uh, air, uh, train stations, they're called Union Stations. And it's all because of, uh, it's, I guess, because of the Union Railroad that owned all the railroad stuff back then. But Houston actually have a huge one. And um, it is where the Minute Maid Stadium is. Is it Minute Maid it's called now? Whatever the new name for it is. Yes. It's, it's Minute Maid Stadium where the Astros play. And if you ever come to It Houston, was always that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But, okay, but we're quickly digressing out of control. But digressing is good. But that's where the trains used to come in, into that huge station which is why there's a train inside Minute Maid Park if you ever come to Houston. Oh, that. That, that makes sense now. Yeah, so you can check that out. And it's huge, I mean, it's grand. Um, but, and if you go to any other city, a lot of other cities have a Union Station. So behind me is what is the current Union Station, the actual uh, station that uh, things start. But anyway, I'm digressing, or I digress. Um, as far away from trains as possible, we're going to talk about a Russian airline called Russia. Um, if you've been wondering where the 747s are going, well, Kusha is going to tell us about it. Well, Russia, uh, which has an airline code of FV, um, they have made a business of uh, taking over older aircraft and putting them into service with themselves. And they seem to have made a success out of it because they, um, a few years ago, they bought some um, 777-300s and uh, 747-400s from now bankrupt Transaero Airlines, which is also a Russian carrier. Yeah. So now what they've done is they've bought up seven of BA's recently retired 31 um, 747-400s. And 400s, including the one um, currently painted in BOAC colors. Right. So, if anyone's curious, the registrations they're buying are G, B, Y, G, A through G, G. So, they've got seven. And now, with these seven, they will have a fleet of 16 747 400s. Now, you can probably question why an airline would buy. A 20 plus year old fleet of aircraft with four engines when you could get, let's say, a 777-300ER for a much cheaper price overall operationally. Mm -hmm. But given that these aircraft are probably on sale at a fire sale low price and being in Russia where fuel is probably not very expensive, um, it makes sense for them. And uh, in fact, they've just announced that they're going to put these put 747s into service from Vladivostok in the east to, to Sochi which, and uh, Simferopol, which are on the Black Sea. And yeah. Simferopol was, of course, the resort in Ukraine that Russia took over illegally, <laughs> depending on your political now that, that's, affiliations. That's pretty amazing that. Uh, they could actually, I guess it's vacation destination, so they could actually yeah. do 747. Yep. Probably going to be a single class or something, right? But they fly the 747s to Phuket, or they did from Moscow. Yeah. Wow. So, that's, yeah. That's pretty impressive. 
Um, um, all right. Uh, I, I've not seen Rocia, but when I went to Moscow uh, a few years ago, I did see the Transero before they went back up. Back yeah. up. I don't think they fly too much in, in the West. Yeah. I don't believe they do. It's mainly a Russian um, domestic and some beach or slash leisure gotcha. destinations. So th that is one of the cool things about flying to um, you know places like like Russia and um, like when you go to what's the other place I went to Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan um, Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. You see yeah. all these airlines that you you don't you just yeah. don't see on this side of the world. So it's very cool. Um, all right. Um, so uh, good news there from uh, the Russian or folks in um, Russia. Uh, let's jump to Australia, where um, Qantas is, uh, well, I this, guess they're, they're kind of doing two things. What are they up to? I, I think they're, they're really outdoing themselves <laughs> because um, they sent off the 747 in, a, I thought, a spectacular fashion. Yeah. And now, of course, Australia is closed to um, almost all of the world. So Qantas is, of course, bleeding cash like everybody else. Exactly, right? So what they did to capitalize on this um, yearning for flying is what we mentioned, I think, I believe it was last week, where this um, they had put us on sale a flight to nowhere of about seven hours on a Qantas 787. Yep. Affairs going upwards of Australian dollars 7867 and higher, sold out in 10 minutes. Well, what they did, it was even recently, this week was even more masterful, I thought. So they had all these um, 747 interior appointments like baggage cart, like um, drink carts. And they had over a thousand of them, which is surprising considering they had less than 20 747s. Yeah. So they have, the, they have these half bar carts, as they call them, and um, full bar carts that were used on these 747s on an average for about 2,000 flights. So they decided to sell them, but not just empty, but they filled them with, uh, for instance, the half bar carts were uh, sold with 40 mini bottles each of red and white wine. So that's a total of 80 mini bottles, a bottle of champagne from business class, two Qantas business class amenity kits, a blanket, or they call it a throw from first class, uh, two Qantas sleeper suits, which is the night suit, um, and assorted snacks like uh, the savory biscuits and uh, uh, smoked almonds. Oh, that's cool. Yes. But guess how many, how much the price was for one of them? $450. You'd have to double that and wow. add on additional. So it was <laughs> sold for, they were on sale for Australian dollars, 975. So almost a thousand Australian dollars, which comes out to about 685 US dollars. And I bet they sold that. In under 15 minutes. Lots of aviation geeks out there. And then they had the full carts as well. Uh -huh. So it had exactly double of what the half carts were. And they were for about 1,480 Australian, which is about 100,035 US. Yeah. As I said, a double um, collection of everything that was in the half cart. And those were gone too. Makes sense. So, and they had the sale valid uh, from. Um, September 23rd through October 9th. And it sold out on September 23rd. And see, it's, it's a good way to get rid of all that alcohol that you have sitting around. And you can't yeah. Do yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they did well. Um, I'm amazed that they had a thousand of these. Well, I mean, it, a makes, thousand. it makes sense, right? Um, the, the thing too is that, Krishna, is that we are now realizing, I mean, you know, we, we go to um, Farnborough Air Show and Pirates Air Show, and we know the extent of, of all the businesses that the industry yeah, supports. Yeah. 
but now I think people are understanding that it's not just the plane flying around. There's a whole ecosystem behind yep. it. And they only had this for sale in the metropolitan areas of big capitals like Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, yeah. uh, and Brisbane, because they said they, it was, they were too heavy to mail elsewhere. And you were only allowed to buy two per customer. <laughs> so there are a lot of rich Australian aviation geeks who can afford dogs. Yeah, worldwide. Aviation, I mean, come on, a lot of these people. I mean, you know, I used to, well, I used to collect and I still have them. I have them in a box somewhere. I don't even know where the box is. All these um, uh, amenity kits of all the flights. I yeah, yeah. I have boxes and boxes and boxes of that. You know, the people who collect so, um, the in-flight magazines, the yep. back things. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so I thought this was, this was a great, great idea. Now they'll have to top themselves. And I don't know how they're going to do that. Oh, it, it, they, they're gonna they're gonna get there um it's weird right even with selling all that stuff it's still it's like a drop in the yeah in the bucket hey but it's money they didn't have right oh yeah and it's a good way to get rid of the stuff rather than have them rotting because that's yep. exactly what's gonna and when they get stale and beyond the date they can't use them so they yep. have to throw them out so yeah uh wow and i don't also forgot to mention that they had tim tams and I don't know if you've ever had them. Oh, I love the Tim best. Tams. Yes. They're the best in the world. I love Tim Tams. <laughs> they had those as well. Uh, they're like, um, those, you can find them in, where did I go? Target in the US. Oh, you can get them here? Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I was going to, I was thinking about Limited selection. Company. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to have to go look for them now. Um, all right. That, that's the other thing. About and you can also get them at Cost Plus. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess I guess mm. you can always buy them online, but it's not the same, right? Not the same. It's much, much more expensive. Yeah. Uh, that's but, the thing about not being able to go internationally right now is that all the kind of cool foods that you like, you just can't. You just you just can't have them. Um, all right. So oh. more, in, more in Qantas, though. Uh, what are they doing with their broadband? Is that what it says? No. Qantas Wi-Fi. and broadband? Yeah, it says... Uh, oh, this is Qatar. Oh, Qatar. Oh my God. Okay, so it's yeah. in the wrong place. Sorry, it's in the wrong place. Let's talk about Rex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, so um, before we start the show, we always have a list of stuff they're going to talk about, and we move stuff around based on regions. And so I actually thought it says Qantas, but it says Qatar. So after we talk about Rex, which is a regional carrier in Australia, we're going to go up to the Middle East and talk about Qatar. <laughs> Go ahead. So actually, th- I missed this article. So I'm really glad you gave it to me because I think it's a huge deal. Huge deal. Uh, because Rex, I don't know if any of, well, whenever you go to Sydney, you always see their little Saabs um, on the tarmac somewhere. Yep. And they have, um, until now, been the regional operator in Australia. Um, they seem to have thrived. Uh, because they predominantly serve destinations that the other two, meaning Qantas and Virgin Australia, do not serve. The much smaller towns. Yeah. Well, um, this is builds on something you had mentioned when we did the previous episode about this was the time to definitely start an airline and it was also definitely not the time to start an airline. <laughs> because you can pick up aircraft and all sorts of things of requirements at fire sale prices. Yeah. But it depends if you have the traffic, especially in this time of the COVID pandemic. So Rex has decided to take the plunge and move upstream into the mainline, the very profitable intercapital um, Australian market. So what they remember, they have Saabs only, the Saab 340. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to start with um, five routes out of Sydney, which are, of course, the capitals, um, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, Canberra, and Adelaide. And they're going to start with about five 737-800s that ironically have been returned to their lessers from Virgin Australia. Of course. So um, I believe five of these planes are currently in the the Rex headquarters, maintenance headquarters in 
um, Wagga Wagga, which is in New South Wales, in almost in the middle between Sydney and uh, Melbourne, if you draw a straight line. So what they want to do is they want a slice of this very profitable interstate capital Australian market. So they've chosen the 737-800. They're going to market themselves as an LCC++ airline. So they're going to be in between Jetstar, which is the low-cost arm of Qantas, yeah. and Qantas slash Virgin Australia. They expect their fares to be about 5 to 10% below Qantas. But due to a collective bargaining agreement with pilots and all that, they have chosen to be 10% below Jetstar, which is already lower than Qantas. So um, I think they, they're approaching this right. Now, whether there is the demand um, that they are looking for is another matter. Now, given that the routes they apply, they're applying for are very high frequency, like Sydney, Melbourne has about a departure every 30 minutes, um, approximately, between Qantas and Virgin Australia. Well, Yes, had. <laughs> I don't know how many uh, frequencies they're going to be able to pull off, but they said they can induct one to two new aircraft, well, new as an ex-Virgin aircraft, a month if the demand justifies it. That's good. And I don't even know if they're going to keep the name Rex or change it, but I think it's got such high brand and name recognition in Australia that it might be a mistake to replace it. But yeah, I mean, you yeah. can never can tell. I think they should keep, so, they should keep the name. Yeah, so yeah. what they're going to do um, is that they are going to offer meals, a baggage allowance, reassigned seating, but there's going to be a subscription for lounge access. I don't know if they're going to lease lounge space from Qantas slash Virgin or not, but uh, I'm sure they'll figure something out. And... Uh, they're going to follow up with a frequent flyer plan, plan. So they're not going to do anything really very different from what they're currently doing. But um, I think this is a huge, huge step that they're taking. That could either blow up in their face or be very profitable for them. I think it should be cool. So, I mean, you know, because um, <clears throat> I assume they're still going to do the, the Saab service because a lot of the markets that they're serving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can only be served by Saab, right? Yeah. Which is why they, do, which is why they end up doing so well. Um, and later on, they're going to see if this develops well, they're going to increase service and start service to to cities like Darwin and Hobart and uh, Cairns, which I think is a yeah. good idea. Did, did they others? Did they think Tasmania? Yes, uh, Hobart and Launceston. Yeah, yeah, is where they're going to. Um, that's the okay. second tier of uh, they're going to do cities, yeah. yeah. And this was so, from Business Traveler. That's cool. Because back in the days, uh, I flew. Uh, I went to Tasmania. We flew Ansett Australia, but okay. Ansett is no longer is no longer around. Um, and uh, we did Hobart. Uh, it was a city okay. that we flew into. And uh, you're right. I always see the Rex uh, Sabs um, sitting around Sydney whenever I go, but I've never flown them. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, if, if you got backers um, mm -hmm. with a lot of money, yeah. you can really, uh, yeah, you know, you can really do some quote unquote damage. Uh, Australian dollars from Asia. Okay. And um, this, I mean, this was a weird thing. Uh, they've dubbed this um, whole project called Project Mother, which sounds almost obscene. Project Mother? Yes. Oh, funny. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, so, all right. So your, your sound has gotten low again. Okay. Uh, for some reason. So what we're going to do is um, uh, we'll be right back. Okay. So, yeah, we just had a slight uh, sound issue, and I wanted to make sure everything was good, so we're good again. But um, Hopefully I'm clear again. Yes, you're much clearer. You're much, much clearer now. So were, you, were we finished talking about Rex? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, now we can go to the Middle East and talk about Qatar and what they're doing with the broadband Wi-Fi. 
<laughs> so um, Qatar had started this uh, uh, procedure of um, equipping all their aircraft with broadband Wi-Fi mm -hmm. using the Imarsat um, aviation network. Yeah. And they did this in 2018. Well, they just finished their 100th aircraft that is now equipped with uh, broadband Wi-Fi. And uh, to celebrate, they've announced that all passengers flying on Qatar um, from September 25th, which is already passed, until January 2nd, 2021, will receive full flight access with no charge at all, not just a one-hour limit. Wow. So it's free for all passengers for the entire flight, which I thought was a pretty good deal. That is a pretty because good deal. They've made a big flying anyway, so <laughs> true, true. But you know, we don't really don't know what the loads are in the Middle East and uh, you know within <clears throat> the Middle East and China, for instance. Yeah, it's, it's it's very hard to tell because uh, I I think what's happening is that so a friend of mine just posted some stuff on um, what was it uh, Instagram, huh. and he was flying from Sweden. He went to Doha and then he went to the Maldives. Mm -hmm. um, so my guess is that Europeans are flying. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to, I guess the Middle East and Asia, uh, wherever they can. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, are those numbers, can they be found somewhere? Like what the traffic is I'm like? sure. I'm sure they are available somewhere. Oh, Ayada, would, Ayada yeah. should have them somewhere. Yeah. Um, but no, this was an article in um, this Apex Travel Experience email. Okay. And uh, they, Qatar has made it a point of pointing out that, you know, they don't charge for these 100 days, whereas Emirates, which gave you a measly 10 megabytes of data free, which is like nothing now, yeah. they're now um, offering a tiered subscription starting at 299 US dollars for unlimited chat using WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. But full flight access costs between about 10 US dollars and 20 US dollars, uh, depending on the length of the flight. And only their um, premium passengers and um, their Skywards elite yeah. uh, customers get it for free. The, you know, the, the 299 for uh, WhatsApp and Messenger, that's actually not too bad. Um, yeah. if, if you want to just sit there and talk, talk to somebody on Messenger yeah. mm. uh, for the whole flight, that is actually not a bad deal. Um, what I found is that when I went to Africa, they have a deal like that where you just pay for WhatsApp and Messenger, actually okay. pay for WhatsApp and Facebook. You get no internet, you can't go to any website or anything like that, just Facebook and WhatsApp. I don't know how they do it, but it works. And so that's, um, they might have been looking yeah. at what their customers use. But how do they get that? Isn't that a violation of their privacy? No, I mean you don't have to know who is doing what, but you do have to monitor your you do have to monitor your network. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, so you know you know what what services people are using. You may not know what messages they're sending. Yeah. It's all encrypted and all that, but you know what service they're on and how long they stay oh. they stay in it. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. I got one sec. Um, all right. What are we going so, to talk about next? So we're done with airplanes, airlines. Air, air oh, yeah, that okay. was the last airline one we had. Now we're going to go to aircraft. So we have some stuff on the um, uh, Boeing. Uh, there's always news on Boeing. But this time, it is actually cool news. Uh, they're doing something with... Um, Sanitizing UV lights using UV oh lights yes this sanitized. was going yeah. um, they had started this project about uh, six months ago and uh, they have developed this uh, bar of UV C light that right. is a the whole package is self-contained and about the size of a carry-on. So what they've done is that they've licensed production of this to a company based in uh, Florida in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and the company is called Health E, I guess for electric, I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, this uses uh, far UV light, which is the uh, shortest wavelength to the highest power. 
to um, essentially sanitize surfaces that are that are exposed to this light. Okay. And the cockpit area or the um, flight deck area is where it's going to be used most effectively because there are lots of nooks and crannies that are not as easy to clean with, uh, I don't know, disinfectants or whatever. Right, which so they sense. said an entire cockpit um, can, be, can be disinfected and sanitized completely within 15 minutes. Wow. So, yeah. So this was, I thought this was a pretty good deal. And so, now so this is available for everybody, all airlines, starting late in 2020. In 2020. Oh, okay. So, 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 so does this mean that maybe they'll go back and retrofit the airplanes with it, right? Well, so see, it, it's a carry-on. It's self-contained. So you carry it on. So you just carry it on, stick it, press a button and get out of there and it does. No, you have to uh, direct the wand to do what, do its thing. Oh, come on, it's 2020. Can't we just do it automatically? <laughs> you have to be within a certain distance. You actually have to be within six inches, which is oh, about okay. 15 yeah. centimeters. All right. All so, um, right. so yeah, the lifespan is about 50,000 hours. So this should last a while. It and it's not meant to be the exclusive cleaning mechanism, but a supplementary one. Yeah. So, but I thought this was a great idea. And um, so Etihad, sorry, just one second. Okay. Etihad was the first, because I don't know if a lot of people know, but they have this eco demonstrator, a 787-10. And they've been uh, testing out all these new cleaning initiatives and uh, eco initiatives. Right. And um, Etihad um, was the one to first validate this uh, in commercial purpose. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess what I was going to say was, how do they clean the cockpits today? <laughs> I think you'd have to be really careful, you know, not to break right. or crack, given that everything is glass now and to yeah switches or something yeah i don't know i don't know how they clean it because i know i mean there's so many switches in a copy it's like seriously are there yeah. all those things <laughs> um you know it's so yeah i don't know how they clean a cockpit i've just never just never hmm, i don't know <laughs> it's well, funny well, um, now we know there's one additional way yes exactly exactly so that's cool all right i like that oh. story um all right, so let's do some more Boeing. Um, oh, actually, no, you know, let's flip flop. Let's talk about A380. Um, so as you know, it's sadly, uh, we're, gonna lo we're losing the A380, and Kusha has an update on. Uh, yeah, so this was on September 23rd uh, yeah. from Airways Magazine that the last brand new A380 was rolled out of Hangar 40. This was manufacturer serial number 272. Mm. And of course, this was bound, bound, bound for Emirates. And it's still got the green fuselage. It hasn't been painted except for the tail, which is the composite material, which comes right. already pre-painted. Right. So uh, it's got no engines. And um, uh, this is going to be delivered early in 2021. Wow. So um, this is the last one to come out of the final assembly line, but they still have nine 380s left to be delivered. Uh, so the first delivery was to Singapore Airlines in October of 2007. Um, after the first flight of the 380 in April of 2005. So it's been 15 years, which really isn't very long, <laughs> unfortunately, but it just wasn't the right time for the 380. It was too late. I was actually there in Singapore on the first. I wasn't on. I the remember flight. you did because I, I couldn't buy a ticket. I was so annoyed, but two of my friends were. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I was there when it was. Leaving. I remember you brought me a model back. Uh, did I? Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. so that was exciting. That was a very exciting yeah. time. So I was unfortunately, no more. Yeah, that was actually the first time I stayed at the the, the transit hotel uh, in so, in Singapore. Oh well, but uh, good old A three eighty. 
Um, all right. And, and you've flown it. So one of my goals was to fly the A380 for uh, like all the operators. Mm, never really happened. <laughs> <laughs> I've flown most of them, but no. Um, all right. So what's Airbus doing about, you know, everyone's talking about zero, zero emission because everyone thinks that airplanes are so annoying when it comes to emissions, which as we know, it's a very small percentage that we, that they do. Yeah. But uh, despite that, um, the aircraft, aircraft manufacturers are always doing as much as they can to decrease the emissions. So what's Airbus doing? So I, I, again, if people listened last week or maybe two episodes ago, we talked about, um, um, Airbus thinking about flying in formation to reduce emissions, yeah. much like Pelicans do. Um, and this one was actually more concrete. So they released three potentially new designs for aircraft that will probably enter service after 2035. Yeah. So they broke them down into three categories. These are all hydrogen powered. So in essence, the emissions would be water, water vapor. And um, the first one they had was a turbofan design, which looks very much like an Airbus 220 or a 320, mm. which would seat about 120 to 200 passengers, a range of about 2,000 nautical miles, and the liquid hydrogen would be carried in the tail of the aircraft behind the the last, the rear pressure bulkhead, which is behind where the rear galleys are. Oh, okay. And this looks very much like a narrow body 350, at least from initial pictures. But the wings are what make it look very different because they have the regular wings and then these are raked, much like you see on the 747-8 and the 777-300ER, mm -hmm. but raked by several feet not just the little bit that uh, you see on the current Boeing aircraft. Right. So um, I guess this is to make the wing longer and thinner and even more efficient. That was the first uh, model. And the second one was a regional um, aircraft design for turboprop uh, with a high wing and uh, propellers and a T-tail. And again, it looks very similar to an ATR. An ATR 4272-72. This is for about a hundred passengers and a range of about a thousand nautical miles. Hmm. And then the third one, which was the most intriguing, I thought, uh, was what is called the blended wing body technology, which looks very similar to. Um, I don't know if a lot of your viewers will be knowledgeable about the Boeing B2 bomber and also a little similar to what KLM and the University of Delft we talked about a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. flying wing design. So it's essentially like a triangle with a few appendages. And this is going to be 200 passenger aircraft with a range of 2000 plus nautical miles. This is going to be long haul. Oh, okay. And there's no specs yet on where they will put the passenger seats and all the fuel, the hydrogen liquid, hydrogen fuel. Yeah. But again, they seem to be very active in putting out all their future conceptual designs of things to come. But this is great news, I think. And yeah. again, from Airways magazine. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what I found with these manufacturers is that when you go to uh, the Pirate Air Show in Farnborough, you see a lot of stuff that they're working on. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, that's why it's always good to go to these shows, but of course it's not happening. Well, it didn't happen, Farnborough didn't happen this year and Pirates probably will happen next year. But um, you see a lot of stuff like Boeing has some, I forget what I saw Boeing has. Because did I, Boeing have something similar prior to the 787 being released? Yeah. Sonic Cruiser, I think they called it. Yeah, they, is, that, they, is that right? I think that's what it's called indeed. They do a lot of testing and a lot of things like that. Yeah. And then they take parts of it and, uh, and build the actual yes. that you see out there. Um, and so it, it's always good. Um, I forget what it was because Boeing was working on an electric 
an electric something plane, but I don't know exactly okay. what it was, but they've been doing a lot of things like that. Um, so that's pretty cool. All right, speaking of Boeing, um, what's going on with the 737-8, 7, 9, and 10 now? 8, 9, and 10. <laughs> what's the latest with that? Well, there's mostly good news. <laughs> good, good. Also some cautionary news. Okay. So EASA, which is the European Air Safety, Aviation Safety Agency, has come out and said that they expect um, approval of the 737 MAX, which is the 789 7, 8, and 10 series to um, occur in November of 2020. Right. And they want to time it uh, in a manner that sort of matches what the US FAA is going to do. Right. Um, they feel very satisfied that Boeing is going to incorporate all the recommendations of these safety agencies. Right. But they have added an additional one that um, will debut on the 737-10. Now this is, this we have to step back a little bit. This all arose because of this MCAS system. Now the 737 MAX engines were a little heavier than what they have been. So it raised the center of gravity of the plane. And that caused all sorts of aerodynamic issues with the plane. So Boeing right. instituted this MCAS software to try and combat that. But for some inexplicable reason, they neglected to mention it to the, to the pilots of these uh, new MAX aircraft. And that's what essentially resulted in the crashes in Indonesia and uh, uh, Ethiopia. So this MCAS software adjusts the nose of the aircraft um, and it relies on what are called angle of attack sensors, which are the little protuberances on each side of the nose of every aircraft. And for some reason, Boeing had this software designed to rely only on one of these angle right. of attack sensors instead of using both. Well, now they have both, and um, starting with the 737-10, they're going to also include a third angle of attack sensor. This is going to be a theoretical one, much like what exists on the 787. So the angle of attack and all that, the airspeed and all that is going to be calculated based on GPS data. Again, it's apparently very similar to what is on the 787 currently. Right. But um, given that Boeing has agreed to do this and retrofitted onto the 7-8s and 9s um, later on, both the US and the European agencies um, are satisfied that Boeing has met their criteria. Okay. However, there's one additional, um, actually two additional uh, changes that Boeing has to make. Um, there was this alarm that was going off called a stick shaker. Now mm -hmm. Boeing aircraft have those vertical yeah, not steering wheels, but that's uh, standard, right? The right, but not on the Airbus or, aircraft. Right. So when they have these issues with MCAS, the stick would shake. And that was like a warning. That's gonna stop. Right. It's exactly. And so they had audible and the stick shaker warnings that both these agencies and apparently a lot of pilots felt were, was way too distracting. So they have, um, uh, Boeing has agreed to eliminate those um, and uh, try and streamline the whole process to inform pilots that um, a stall is about to occur. Right and also offer the pilot a means to avoid the storm. Because they said a lot of pilots were extremely distracted and disoriented by the bells and alarms that were going off in the cockpit. And another thing, that, and now I didn't know this, that there was a wheel. Remember the Boeing 737 is from the late 60s, early 70s. So there is a wheel between the captain and the co-pilot. Yeah, the trim tab. The trim tab, yes. 
that uh, both of them have to use to um, to modulate the horizontal stabilizer, which is what adjusts the nose of the aircraft. Right. And in the initial 737 aircraft, it was a pretty large wheel. So you didn't have to turn it very much, you know, to get the aircraft to be in a stable position, if you will. But now, with miniaturization of everything, the wheel has become much, much smaller. So both of these pilots have to turn the wheel much, much more. Right, right. So to trim the aircraft, essentially. So Boeing has agreed to uh, make big adjustments to that procedure. Because apparently one pilot cannot do it. It requires the strength of both pilots, which was news to me. You mean when it gets when it gets into that that situation? Yes, right? to trim the aircraft. Yes, yeah. it requires both aircraft because both sorry both hands. It's a lot of the, force. Yeah. Yes, yes. So those are the two requirements that Boeing has yet to um, satisfy. Okay. But they expect um, late 2020 or early 2021. Or the aircraft returned to service. Okay. So it's not all bad news. Yeah, and it's okay because no one's flying anything anyway. That's right. <laughs> so they're, they're just, this, you know, quote-unquote happened at a good time because no one's flying the planes. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad. But Boeing has to, has to, has to get this right. Yeah, but you know, this is going to be the safest airplanes. Um, that's right. Airplane yeah. Out there, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, well, good. Well, thanks for that update. Uh, there's, we always have something on the 787, on the 787, on the 737 Max. Yeah. Um, I was going to call it 737 Max, so I don't know what, what whatever Boeing says. Um, it's so hard to say dash whatever now. Uh, all right, so more, so let's see. Uh, we have another aircraft update, and this is on the um, 737 freighters. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. This what do you have again, on that one? I did not realize this. That um, again, we talked about this last week, where Airbus yeah. was um, in collaboration with ST Aerospace in Singapore to convert A three twenty ones and three twenties to freighters. Well, it turns out that Boeing has had sort of like a bustling business in this. Yeah, and they have orders for a hundred and thirty four passenger to freighter conversions of mostly the Boeing 737-800. And in fact, they've opened two new lines to do this. Uh, one of them, incidentally, in Singapore with ST Aerospace, who are also doing the 321 and the 320, and another one in um, Guangzhou in China in, with Gameco, which is the big maintenance base there. Um, now, so the Singapore location is also going to do the 767-300 conversion. And Boeing says if they need to, they can speed up the conversion to be done in within 90 days. Okay. From a passenger version to a freighter. So um, I know I've seen Amazon 737 cargo aircraft. Yes, I didn't I realize there was such a big, such um, a big unsatisfied demand for this size of aircraft ah, okay so, well i mean it's what it's um uh what is it alaska uses them um right, right. Alaska, so that was i think right? a one-off and they're using the 737 400 yeah 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 um, and also uh first air uses the the combi um okay yeah but it's like a i think it's like a 200 combi uh, is what it is, which is really okay. odd. Um, That's a Canadian cool. airline, right? Yeah. So first, they, yeah. First year, yeah. They fly up from, uh, they go up to Nunavut and, okay. uh, and Resolute Bay and um, Yellowknife and places up there. And they, mm. they fly these little 737 200s in, and it's amazing, amazing stuff. But yeah, but those yeah. are combis too. Um, so, oh, that's interesting. For, I mean, it seems like, Dude, can we just get some money and go buy it to buy like a freight? We just need one. 
just see one freighter, right? <laughs> I have some friends who are pilots. Uh, we, we, can, we, we can do this, Kisha. Um, all right, let's, we're going to talk about airports now. And um, the much-awaited Berlin uh, airport is going to be open in October. And apparently, there's an airline that's going to be making history. How is that happening, Kisha? Yes. Well, after more than nine years of delay, um, Berlin Brandenburg is going to open on um, the 31st of October, which is about a month away. So Tegel is going to close. And uh, so is Schoenfeld, but not really. Because Schoenfeld, uh, SXF, the name, the abbreviation is going to be retired but it's going to be Berlin Terminal 5. We talked yeah. about this either last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, we did. we did. But anyway, long story short, this is from Business Traveler. Air France started operations into Berlin Tegel in 1960 with a Lockheed Super Constellation. Wow. Because um, <laughs> Tegel was in the French area of West Berlin when Berlin was divided. Um, and uh, so they were the first airline to go in and BEA, which is uh, British European Airlines uh -huh. and Pan Am continued to fly into Tempelhof. Well, Air France is making history because as of now, they are going to be the last airline out of uh, Tegel. So I got the details of this flight. It's a very weird uh, routing. Well, not routing, but timing. Yeah. So it's Air France 11.34 that leaves Paris on the uh, 7th of November, Paris CDG at 8.40, lands at Berlin Tegel at 10.25 p.m. All right? Okay. It makes sense. This is the 7th of um, November on a 3.20. Uh-huh. 7th of, yes, 7th of November. But the return flight is Air France 1235 leaving Tegel at 1500, so 3 p.m. the next day, and getting into Paris at 4.50 p.m. Um, on the 8th of November. So I'm curious why this aircraft is sitting on the ground for approximately 20, 15 to 20 hours. And why aren't they returning back to Paris on the morning of the 8th? Unless they really wanted to be the last airline. Yeah, they probably wanted Indeed. to be the last. Well, I don't know what the schedule is. They probably need to look at the schedule. And also, uh, they probably couldn't leave that same night because they have a... No, the same night, I understand, right? Because yeah, they probably have a curfew. Probably have a curfew or something like that for takeoffs. Yeah. Although, but the, the 7, 20 is a category the next three. morning? So um, there's obviously a reason for this, but... Yeah. Um, Maybe because, were they the first airline to fly into Tegel, like yep. you said? So yep. maybe they wanted to be the last, and they probably gave them that opportunity to be the last. Maybe, and they, yeah. And they, they, wanted, they couldn't schedule an airplane, not that they don't have a bunch of them sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but was, what was even more strange, and again, I don't know all the details, yeah. is that they just opened this flight, open, flight for sale, like on the 24th. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. For a November flight? Yeah, because they know that um, you're going to have all the geeks uh, trying to buy it. That's true. When, That's true. When, um, when Singapore, uh, what was the name of the airline? When they, when they launched Scoot, it wow. was the same kind of thing. And then what they did, they changed. They changed the inaugural flight. Like, I think they moved it forward. And then they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me uh, change my ticket to that <laughs> flight without paying. And I'm like, but... The only reason why I bought this ticket is because I wanted the inaugural. And I didn't feel like buying another, another ticket. So, um, yeah. They, so, they oftentimes do that just for this. And it's going yeah. to be packed. Yeah. And I'm, I hope they have a lot of press coverage of this. Because it is pretty historic, I think. Yeah, I'm scheming of how I can do that, Kisho. We need a 14-day quarantine. Forget it. You're so, not going to do it. Not with a U.S. passport. Oh, Thanks but we to can. you know who. But we can. We can go to Ireland because Ireland is okay. With Ireland allows us in. And then what we do for Ireland, we quarantine Ireland for 14 days. 
and then we can and buy from there to Paris. But on a confirmed okay. ticket. It, well, that's okay. We can do it. We can do this, Kushia. <laughs> and the fares I don't know are what cheap. you're going to use for money. Well, the fares are cheap. Nobody's, nobody's flying. But this is history, <laughs> Kushia. That's funny. This is true, yes. Uh, I mean, come on. We took that first flight, the A380, from Paris to London. Was it? London, London to, to Paris. Paris, right? So we've done it. We've done our share of inaugurals. So. Uh, all right. Well done. Okay. So, so we expect more Berlin coverage in the next few weeks. Uh, yes, that's actually very, very cool. Um, all right, we're gonna we have three more stories to do, and then we're done with this. And um, are we doing good on time? No, we're <laughs> we're about forty minutes in, but we got three stories which we shouldn't take too long. Yeah. Um, so we reported before about coronavirus dogs, and now another airport. I want to say it was Dubai that had it the first time, um, but if, if you go back and listen to episode 25, you'll hear us talk about coronavirus dogs. And yet another airport are using dogs. So which airport is that, Kusha? This is Helsinki Vanta, which is the main airport for Finna in Finland, in Helsinki. And uh, this is the trial that was started on September 23rd mm-hmm. with four dogs. They're, in, they're training 15 dogs with 10 instructors but they currently have four operating at the airport already. So um, these dogs can apparently detect the COVID virus in humans five days before symptoms occur, according to this project um, uh, collaborator, which is the University of Helsinki. And they say it is close to 100% uh, accurate. Right. which is remarkable. So what they're doing is they're requesting arriving passengers to collect their bags. And just before leaving the airport, they are requested to wipe their necks with a um, cloth, if you will, which is then put into like a can of sorts and then placed in front of the dog. Uh, these are, Remember, these are specially trained dogs right. who take about 10 seconds to uh, determine whether the person is infected or not. And your entire result is available to you within a minute of doing this. Um, So, and this, as I said, the the, uh, results are almost 100% accurate. What they are also requesting is passengers to do this and take a swab test, which is a fairly definitive way to determine if you are infected or not. And this sort of confirms an earlier July study at the University of Veterinary, Vet, Veterinary Medicine in Hanover in Germany that found that uh, dogs could detect COVID virus in the saliva samples with approximately 94% accuracy. Again, quite amazing. I know it is very cool. So, so I mean, they don't know what the dogs are smelling. They don't know how long they can, a dog can be kept on duty, if you will, you know, before he or she loses its right. sense of smell, if you will. Yeah. And they also found that some dogs couldn't handle the noise of the airport. So well, they had right. to pick right. a particular, particular species of dogs to do this. Um, and they're still going to continue with this until the year end. Um, and there are similar trials in progress or planned in the UK, France, Germany, and the US. So, um, but I also wanted to mention that something else that is happening in European airports is an Israeli designed test using okay. saliva. So I think this was the next topic you were going to talk about. Um, yes, I think it is, maybe. Uh, so this is going to be in a self-contained kiosk at certain European airports that they haven't is. specified. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is called a Spectra LIT test. And again, they're expecting in collaboration with the Shiba Medical Center in Israel, uh, they're expecting close to 95% accuracy based on their studies to date. Oh, that's actually quite so, good. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. amazing. 
and the results will be available in uh, just a few minutes, I believe, and uses only um, saliva, a spit, into um, a few milliliters of mouthwash, which is then inserted into like a spectrometer, which analyzes the light distribution hmm. of the uh, That's sun. good. So um, yep. the, the beautiful thing about this is that there's a lot of stuff that's going on to Absolutely. around the world to do things. Um, and that's really good to see um, that, you know, we're, we're going to get there. I mean, because we're we so much more advanced than we were when we yep. were like all these. It, it, imagine back in the days when, you know, diseases started to occur and people would die and we had no, no, no idea why people were dying. But at least now we have an idea and we can yeah. develop things that can mitigate it. So, so the, this is 400 people that they yeah. tested. And really, it may sound very cliched, but necessity is really the mother of invention, as they mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have some so, really smart people. I mean, we have some absolutely yep. smart people around. Uh, all right, final story. Yeah. Um, I thought you said, yeah, this is the second one. Yes, the second one. So we have one more. Uh, Newark Airport, what are they doing? Uh, again, this sort of affects me because I use Newark a lot. <laughs> but I thought this was wonderful news. That I don't know if a lot of people have um, transferred between terminals at Newark. It's a pain. And they are going to... Sorry, say that again? It's a pain. Yes. Well... Not really, but it's going to be a cleaner process now because all those diesel-powered buses are going to be replaced with electric versions starting in October. Um, and this is three months ahead of schedule. And this is in line with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which is the agency that runs the airports and stations okay. in the area. Uh, to reduce carbon emissions by 35% by 2025 and 80% by 2050. And this was, again, in the Airlines for America smart brief email. But again, okay. as you pointed out, there are such smart people that this yeah. is happening. So are they, but, but you know, but, but okay, for sure. Electric buses is not a big deal, right? I mean, what, what was the big deal with this? That to go but, make a new bus? Yes, it did. <laughs> I mean, is yeah. that a new technology? Still, I think to incorporate, plus getting all the finances in place and training oh. the drivers. And all. I mean, this was in the plans, right? Yeah, but electric buses is not a big deal. Like, Houston has ele electric buses yes, for, the, I know. for the thing. Well, there I mean, are 36 of them at Newark. It's and, not a big deal. The, the free bus that rides around Houston downtown is electric. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was a good. Maybe I have no life, but I thought this was a big deal. Well, it, it's a big deal, but when you think about it, you're like, okay, and are you going to do it for JFK? Because like, it takes forever to go between terminals yeah. in uh, in JFK, and also, um, yeah, it's a stupid. I, I, <laughs> no, it's not stupid. <laughs> well, it's it's the, the kind of thing that makes news. You're like. The Europeans must think we're down. They're like, oh, really? You don't have electric buses? And this is a big deal for you? Okay, we're not going to go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe, I will, maybe we'd be just doing This is episode 30, what are we, 36? And I, just, I just think it's funny. Christian, that's the funniest story we've ever reported on, by the way. <laughs> no, I think it's great news. It is great. Remember, we are not allowed to travel almost anywhere in this world. Oh, I know. It's great news, but I just think it's just funny. It's like, you have electric buses? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know where it is, too? It's at Newark. So if, if you arrive in Newark, like at about, um, the air train goes out of service, right? At a certain time. But remember, that's out of uh, security. Right, it's outside security. And but keep track of time, by the way. Oh, uh, well, I mean, this is the last story I have anyway, but... It, it's so funny because when that bus goes out, when that train goes out of service, only one runs and everything is screwed up. And they've been doing this every night for the last X number of years. And you're like, you need to fix that. Um, and I hope that if they have the buses, those buses are also electric buses. <laughs> I don't know why. That's right. They do have the buses. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, and it's just annoying. I mean, if, if you go to if you go to Newark, do not arrive on a late flight. Don't arrive on a flight after seven. Because if you arrive on a flight after seven or eight, it is very annoying to get from terminal to terminal because that air train is just the worst. It always stops running. <laughs> but anyway. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, let me give them let me give them credit. I'm gonna have to Absolutely. Check, I'm gonna have to check out that bus the next time I go. Although the agents are so weird though, right? Because you need like a ticket to go to the next yes. from the next I'm, I just wanna go to That's the if they check it even. Well, yeah, they have these people there and you give them a little authority and they, they're very draconian. Nope, you can't go on the bus. I'm like, I'm just going to the lounge. No, you can't do it. I'm like, whatever. But anyway. Um, <laughs> that was so that's story. this week's. This week's. Uh, that's a good story, Christian. Whenever you go to Newark, I need a photo of that new electric bus. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny. Anyway, um, that is it. Um, and we're ending on a really, really high note, electric buses in New York. Uh, I'm Kerwin, and this is my buddy. For sure. <laughs> Who you're going to see on the next electric bus if you go to New York. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. <laughs>